0: kiss me with the kisses of his mouth but i love is better than wine Ooh, is this really in the bible this is so sweet okay y'all i am so excited that you guys have decided to join me on here today it has been a while y'all been a lot going on and if you subscribe to my email you probably got a notification today is gonna be fun and i hope you learn something new today as we talk about Finding Jesus in Song of Solomon and Isaiah. Song of Solomon is a very interesting book and it's very misunderstood. Some people think it's inappropriate and paint pornographic pictures in the mind of people and hence shouldn't be in the Bible since it's not holy. But we have to agree that God is very intentional. And if you placed it in the Bible, there must be a reason and something for us to learn. While preparing for this podcast, I've reread read this book several times now because there are many conceptions about this book. And specifically speaking, the characters in this book. So a major one is King Solomon is also the shepherd. But the one I would like to go with is another conception that King Solomon is different from the shepherd and they are two different people. Going with this, imagine the shepherd and the Shulamite lady are in love with one another and were really excited to get married to one another. Later on, we see how the king invited her to a banquet hall because he thought she was so beautiful he wanted to marry her or really it could have been an arranged marriage but king solomon was really attracted to her and because of that interaction after this we see how slowly the shulamite lady started to lose interest in the shepherd she was getting distracted by the luxury in the palace i mean who wouldn't want to be with the king? The shepherd was definitely not an influential person. And every time the shepherd sent news to hear a voice and he couldn't wait to see her, she wouldn't respond. The good news was later on, towards the end of the story, we see how the Shulamite girl woke up back to herself and wondered what was going on with her. Because the person she truly loved was the shepherd this just brought memories of the prodigal son it feels like god is trying to pass a message to us that he will always be our safe place and we should stop hiding or running from him anyways back to the story after she woke up to her senses she left the king's palace and reunited back with the shepherd and it was a beautiful ending story i think the king which would be solomon was very amazed by how deep in love these two were with one another that he decided to write a poem about it just think about the sacrifices she had to make to follow her heart it was an honor for the king to meet with you talk more of you she could have had all she wanted at the palm of her hands i mean like marrying someone who has potential over someone who is already making millions i mean that's probably not the best example but i mean at least i can paint a picture the lesson here is things of the world look so good and it's attractive but choosing god will always be better what a beautiful story as it ended with the two lovers getting married and then saying, I can't wait to hear your voice. Notice here that in order for both of them to move forward in their relationship, they both had to be on the same page. Just as how Jesus will continually keep on knocking on the doors of our hearts and can't do anything unless we accept him. As believers, we are Jesus' bride and he can't wait to see us too I can't wait to see him too. I mean, we sing songs of how much we love him, like Jesus, I love you. Like how much we want more of him, like I want more of you and just how much we desire him. Remember how Jesus declared in Matthew 22 verse 37 that we should love the Lord our God with all our hearts, soul and mind. I hope you see how Song of Solomon is really in the Bible to show us how deep God's love is for us and how we shouldn't separate ourselves from God. It is also a picture of how a great relationship should be like where two lovers want to be with each other for the rest of their lives. Now we are going to dive into Isaiah and just a little synopsis. Isaiah is one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament that spoke a lot about the coming of Jesus. It was almost as if he had a vision, like where he saw how Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. I mean, how else would he have known to be able to give such a perfect description in Isaiah 53 verse 5 that says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. This prophecy came to pass and was fulfilled. One of the ways people back then knew it was Jesus was because of the prophecies. I mean, he healed the sick, he raised the dead and did many more miracles. I just remember how John the Baptist started to doubt that Jesus was truly Jesus when he was in prison. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus sent back a report to tell John the things that he had done and how he had performed so many miracles. John had to be reminded that he was the one that had been prophesied about. But I mean, all these prophets, the people were really expecting though. And thankfully, they knew what to expect in the Messiah. One of the things Isaiah prophesied was when he came, he would be a light unto the world. He would perform miracles. Isaiah even prophesied that Jesus would be buried in a rich man's tomb. (laughs) as i 53 verse 9 yo this was over 600 years before jesus came do you see how intentional and detailed jesus is this is a proof to you that the word of god is true and heaven and earth may pass away, but his word would always remain the same. So you can count on God, like you can lean on his word. If he says it, he's going to do it. So now we are going to dive deeper into actually reading the book, Finding Jesus in every book of the Bible. And I'm super, 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 super duper excited. Stay with me, you all, and let's get into it. Today, we are going to be reading chapter 17 and 18. Finding Jesus in Song of Solomon, he is our bridegroom, he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. My beloved is mine and I am his, Song of Solomon 2 verse 4 and 16. The Song of Songs which is Solomon's, Song of Solomon 1 verse 1. With these words, King Solomon launched into a poetic and at times graphic picture of two lovers who became bridegroom and bride. All religious Jews to this day read the book every year during their Feast of Passover. In the same way they read Esther in celebration of Purim and Ruth during the Feast of Pentecost. There are three main characters in this song. Along with Solomon there is a Shulamite, a rural girl whose beauty cut the king's ever-roving eye. There is also the shepherd who won the heart of the girl, and to whom she remained faithful and true. The song centers around the love of a shepherd and a young girl, he representing the church, the bride of Christ, you and me, and he representing the Lord Jesus, who has won the believer's heart. The story is rich in typology and symbolism on every page. Despite the negative influence of our family, the efforts of Solomon and his harem to win are over, and a virtual imprisonment for a time. The couple remained true to each other throughout the entire saga. We have no reason to doubt the historical validity of the story, but the real message is embedded in the spiritual lessons that run deep through every verse. The Song of Solomon has found its place in the canon of sacred scripture as a picture of the love of Christ, the bridegroom for his church, the bride. This theme is further illustrated in Paul's treatment of the relationship of a husband and wife in the Ephesian Epistle, Ephesians five twenty-five to thirty-three. After his detailed listing of the responsibilities. Of a husband and a wife. Paul zeroed in on the heart of the entire matter when he said, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Verse 32. Paul did not mean a mystery in the sense of something vague and mysterious. Rather, he spoke of a sacred secret, a divine revelation. The church was unknown to those in the Old Testament, and not until you. We can understand the love of Christ for his church. Can we grasp the duties of husband and wife? The mystery of which Paul spoke began back in Eden's garden, when God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, and his bride was taken out of his side. Genesis 2 verse 21 to 22. She was born of his bones and flesh of his flesh. On the cross, God caused a deep sleep to come upon the Lord Jesus, and out of His wounded side him is bride the church. This is the great mystery. He is speaking of Christ and the church. My relationship with my spouse and your relationship with your spouse are supposed to be a picture of that, and nowhere in the Bible. Is it more beautifully revealed than here in Song of Solomon? There is no single, more intimate, more sacred, earthly union than the one between a husband and a wife. Yet, even that relationship gives us only a glimpse of the deeply intimate relationship between us and our Lord. The Lord Jesus is my bridegroom. He is the lover of my soul. He is the one who stole my heart and I am his bride. This means I share his love. Repeatedly in these songs of Solomon, the bride calls our bridegroom, her bridegroom, our lover. This is something beautiful that they share together. We as believers share the love of our Lord for us and our love for him. It also means that from now on we share his name. This is what a bride does when she is married. She unashamedly takes the name of her husband Think about it. We are Christians for this very reason. This love story ends with the coming of the shepherd. Songs of Solomon 8 verse 5 to 14. They exchanged their vows of love to one another forever. As we are reading these words, our hearts are turned to the coming of our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. The book ends with a simple request from the bridegroom. Your voice, let me hear it. The shepherd's last request is to hear his bright voice speaking words of love to him and to him alone. How our Lord longs to hear our voice whispering words of love to him today. When the resurrected Christ appeared to the Emmaus disciples, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Luke 24 verse 27. We don't know specifically those to which he pointed, but I have to wonder if Jesus mentioned this song of Solomon. I can almost hear him saying, It's all about me and all about you. I am your bridegroom. I love you with a never-ending love and long to see you return that love to me. Let me hear your voice. Go ahead and say, it. I love you, Lord. Read this Song of Solomon again, and you'll find Jesus in every verse. He is our bridegroom. I think the book of Songs of Solomon is just so powerful because God loves us, and He just reveals that beautiful picture of a man that is engaged to his wife, and he can't wait to just, you know, be married to his wife. And the wife as well can't wait to be with her husband, it just creates this longing and affection on both ends we are the bridegroom of Jesus he can't wait to be with us the same way we can't wait to finally meet him he is longing for us he is longing for our attention in a world of distraction in a world where there are so many opinions of who he is he's saying come to me I'll tell you who I am. I want to hear your voice. God is so amazing. Now let's go to chapter 18, finding Jesus in Isaiah. He is the suffering prophet. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53 verse 5 to 7. Throughout this journey, through the Old Testament, we have been finding Jesus in every book of the Bible. The son of God's redemptive revelation began to rise and cast shadows way back in Genesis where we found Jesus as a substitutionary sacrifice, the ram at Abraham's altar. The rising sun continued its accents as we came to Exodus. And there in chapter 12, we found Jesus, our Passover lamb. The blood of that innocent sacrifice meant for the Israelites what the blood of Jesus means for us freedom from slavery, and deliverance from death. When we arrive here at the prophecy of Isaiah, the Son of God's revelation has a perfect shadowing of our coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus. In my new detail, Isaiah chapter 3 describes the excruciating death of our own suffering servant, Jesus. Isaiah was writing this word seven centuries before the coming of Christ. And yet, God pulled back the veil and allowed the prophet Isaiah to see the future sacrifice of the Messiah as though it had already happened. He wrote these prophetic words in past tense. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was afflicted. We get the idea that Isaiah was standing there at the cross, along with Mary and John taking copious notes with eyewitness to the greatest events in human history. The entire 53rd chapter of Isaiah is the clearest picture of Christ in the entire Old Testament. We not only find a poignant and perfect picture of Jesus in this chapter of scripture, but we also see a very revealing picture of ourselves as well. The prophet said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way in verse 6. This metaphorical expression is used repeatedly throughout scripture. The only way to comprehend the deep meaning of this passage is to glean an insight into how we, in fact, do resemble these woolly creatures. Fact number 1. Sheep are directionless. They tend to simply wander aimlessly along the hillside with no sense of direction whatsoever. In the same way, a lot of us seem to wander through life without any sense of direction, void of any real perceived purpose. Clack number two, sheep are defenseless. Almost every other animal has some type of defense mechanism. Rabbits can run, dogs can bite, hearts can scratch, bees can sting, porcupines can puncture, Goats can butt. Skunks, well, you get the point. But sheep, they are not prepared for fight or flight. Men and women without Christ are helpless and hopeless against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians 6 verse 11. They are ill-equipped to fight or flee from an attack. Men and women without Christ are hopeless. Since we find ourselves like sheep, And since we turn everyone to his own way, God must come to our rescue. And he has. Thus we read, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, verse 6. There is no clearer explanation of what transpired on the cross than these words of Isaiah. We learn so much about his death for us in this chapter. First, it was voluntary. He opened not his mouth, Isaiah fifty three verse seven. Jesus would echo his thoughts when he said, "I laid down my life; no one takes it for me, but I lay it down of myself." John ten seventeen to eighteen. Christ's death was not only voluntary, but vicarious. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah fifty three verse six. He died in my place. He died in your place he died our death in the then and there so we could live his life in the here and now he took our sin so we could take his righteousness the death of christ was also vital it was necessary the sacrifices of a million bulls and goats could never take away our sin in fact messiah concluded by saying it pleased the lord to bruise him this is a hard saying. God was not taking pleasure in watching the agony, suffering, and death of his only begotten son. No, a thousand times no. What pleased the father was when the suffering and sacrifice were complete. There was the possibility of a relationship with any and all of us who would come to him by faith in his son to receive the free gift of eternal and abundant life. In the most focused and clear picture in all the Bible, we find Jesus in Isaiah walking through every verse of this prophecy. He is the Christ, our sin bearer, the son of the living God. Amen. Woo. I can't describe the love that is flowing through these books of the Bible. Do you guys realize how great the love of God is—it is, is unfathomable. Like we can't imagine it. It is so deep. It is so strong. It is so wide. All the depth. Like just reading makes me just feel that love. Do you realize what Jesus is to God? He—he he didn't want to see Him go through that pain. Nevertheless, for our sakes, even while we were still sinners. The Bible says Christ died for us. He watched his son go through so much for sinners because he knew that there was no other way. So it pleased him. It pleased God to bruise Jesus for our sake. It pleased God to watch Jesus go through all of that for our sake. Not because he wanted him to go through it, but for our sake. And the great thing about this is even when Jesus laid down his life voluntarily for us, why would we not repay our lives to God with all these things he's done for us? All we can say is thank you, Jesus. My life belongs to you. I give it all to you because you gave it all for me. You laid it all down at the altar. You gave it voluntarily. You laid down your life for me. For me. Oh Oh my goodness. I don't think I need to say much. Honestly, I just want you guys to think about every single thing we have read today. And just receive the love of God. And if you don't feel loved right now, Or if you feel like you've gone too far from God, I'm going to pray for you. To anyone that doesn't feel love, God, let your love overshadow them right now at this moment. Let your love show them that they are capable of being anything you have called them to be. Let them know that you are so intentional about them that every single thing about them you knew even before they were created. Thank you, God, for dying for us, for going through so much pain and suffering and havoc, for going to hell just for us, even when we didn't know you and you didn't know if we were going to accept you. Father, we accept you today. We receive your love today and we thank you for all you've done. God, there is nothing that we can do but to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for giving it all for us. So God, we give ourselves to you. Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Please help us to radiate your love. Help us to radiate your presence to people. And help us to know you for ourselves, Jesus. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Alright guys, thank you for being here with me from the beginning to the end of this reading. And I love you all. See you on the next episode.